That cannot be. Why would I be the last? What do men know? Because they have seen no unicorns for a while does not mean that we have all vanished. We do not vanish. There has never been a time without unicorns. We live forever. We are as old as the sky, old as the moon. We can be hunted, trapped. We can even be killed if we leave our forests. But we do not vanish. When the last eagle flies over the last crumbling mountain. Hello and welcome to the Bad Princess Movie Podcast. This is the podcast that seeks to catalog all of the terrible movies about princesses and princesses to be. I am Christy and I'm here with my friend and co-host Brie. Hello, 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 hello. Hi. <laughs> and we are here today for a very special episode. It is once again that time of year where we celebrate Brie's birthday. Yay! And we are celebrating Bree's birthday by taking a look at, I, I think it's safe to say, this is one of your favorite films, Bree. Yeah, this is probably one of my favorite movies, just of all time. Yes, that is The Last Unicorn. Oh, this has no princesses, princesses to be, nor is it bad. This, is, this I mean, does not belong on our podcast, except for the fact that I said my, my birthday, my choice, <laughs> my time now. Yeah. We talk about my it, favorite, my fave. It kind of, it kind of has some relevance to the podcast because the main character in this very nearly becomes a princess. because she, she wants to marry the prince, but you know, you know, circumstances oh. as we will get into in the discussion, oh. it does not come to be. So, but I think, I don't know, unicorns kind of go hand in hand with princess stuff. It's sort of the same vibe, I think. Yeah, it's that sort of, I, I was a big princesses and also unicorns girl when I was very small. Yeah. So, is, is know, that, it's all in the same realm. Is that when you saw this movie? I, I guess let's, let's get into your history and why, oh. where, when did you discover this movie and how has it captured your heart? Here's the thing. I I don't think I could tell you when I first saw it because I was so little. Like I ha I feel like there there is not a time that I recall before knowing this film. <laughs> um, oh wow. So it has been with me for for my life basically. Um and it is just it is an incredibly special movie to me. Yeah, it's one of those ones we had on, like, I think we had on VHS, and it was just, I adored it. It, it's, I, um, I think I, I discovered this movie in my mid-teens, some, mid-teens somewhere, um, so much later than you, um, I actually had an aunt who was very into this movie, and, and she's the one that introduced me to it, um. I forget if she bought me my copy or if I bought it on her recommendation, but that's mm. that's when I first saw it. Um, so I think I, I like I do really like this movie. It's great, and I actually um, having not seen it in a good few years, rewatching it for the podcast, it really like I don't know. It just hit me in that sweet spot this time around. Like, yeah, this is a good movie. Oh. Um, I do. I almost I wish that I had seen it just a little bit earlier. Um, 
I think this was a. I saw it after Labyrinth kind of snuck into my life. Uh, yes. So my my the <laughs> uh, the role of film that I obsess over was already filled. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But if I had seen The Last Unicorn earlier, I think it it might have might might have been a contender for that spot. <laughs> it might have been in the running. Mm. Oh yeah, no, it's like because there there's just something about this film that has been even when i was little was very special to me um and it's it's funny that i have picked this to talk about on the podcast because it's coming from such a deep place in me that i feel like it's almost hard to articulate yeah yeah (laughs) i need to talk about this but also my my words are insufficient (laughs) <laughs> it's yeah it's kind of like um i i mean i had that last year when we talked about uh hey cinderella it you mm-hmm. know there's ha- it's sometimes it's so much easier to talk about the bad things in a bad movie because it just i don't know the problems just seem so obvious but when there's a movie that really appeals to you it's hard to put your finger on like why does this speak to me it, like i don't know there's just something deep inside of us that these movies sometimes like a missing little missing puzzle piece yeah. you can just picture it and this movie just perfectly slots into that weird little shape space it's just a there's a something inside that just perfectly resonates and you're like oh yeah. there it is like oh okay that is that has the something that makes yeah. that part of you just like so joyful mm-hmm. Ugh. But yeah, it was like, because I rewatched it. It had been a minute or two since I'd watched it. But this is a movie that like, every so often, I'll just have the urge to go back and watch, which is not a lot of movies. Most movies, eh, I'll watch them here and there. But like this film, every so often, I'm like, I need to rewatch this. Um, yeah. But it had still been a bit of time. But as I was rewatching it last night, so that just to make sure... Even though it like it lives deep inside me, I was like, I should rewatch it just in case, <laughs> and also because I want to. There's there's chunks of this film that I could just like quote along with it. <laughs> like, oh wow! Like the butterfly scene at the beginning, I'm like, no, I I know I know most of this dialogue that this butterfly says, and I don't know why that is part of the ones that stuck in me, but like it's there. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm just like sitting alone in my apartment watching this film and quoting it. <laughs> oh. oh, that's so good. We'll we'll have a lot more to say about that butterfly later on. I've got a Oh yeah. A, Steve has prepared for us um What? Some non some nonsense. Yeah. Um we'll, we'll get to it. Is Steve? Yes, our friend Steve. Um, Steve has now threatened I, me with having too many pizza pockets the next time I'm in town, and I'm terrified. Yeah, did you see? He was asking me how many pizza pockets could fit in my stove. <laughs> what? Yeah, no. Steve. And I, I, yeah. Well, yeah. I told him like the proper way to cook a pizza pocket is in the fucking microwave, Steve. Okay, um, that's how Christine? we're doing this. Chris uh-huh. absolutely the fuck not it. Absolutely not. If you what put the fuck? that shit in a microwave, 
Oh no, God no! It's already bad. Like they're already baseline terrible. <laughs> you put it in a microwave; it's barely be. edible. That's how they're meant to be, Brie. They're no. pizza pockets. Yes. What? No, you put it in the fucking oven so it's at least a little crunchy on the outside what and the molten fu- on the inside. What the fuck? What's put what it in the fucking Steve. You put it in the microwave. It's just a soppy, soggy mess that oh the the. Air quotes, yeah. pastry on the outside sticks to the plate. It's awful. That's, what, that's the experience of eating a pizza pocket. You're not supposed God, to like be no. happy about your choice. Christy, you're not supposed to be happy. You're the supposed plot to just... of the un- last unicorn, please. <laughs> okay, I guess. <laughs> if you insist. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Let's get into it here. The, uh, the uh, summary of the last unicorn. <laughs> When the last moon is cast over the last star of morning. The film begins and we see two hunters riding through a forest. The elder hunter explains that it must be home to a unicorn whose magic protects the woods and the animals within it. Realizing that they'll find no game there, the hunters leave, telling the unseen unicorn good luck and that it is last of its kind. Stay in your forest, poor beast. <laughs> Keep your trees green oh and God. your friends protected, for you are the last. Holy shit. I'm not going to have to put any clips into this one, am I? <laughs> <laughs> it is only after the hunters leave that we are shown the unicorn, who is surprised by the hunter's words. The unicorn questions a wandering butterfly, who confirms that a creature named the Red Bull appeared and pushed the other unicorns to the ends of the earth. His firstling bull has majesty. And his horns are the horns of a wild ox. With them he shall push the unicorns, all of them, to the ends of the earth. Listen, listen, listen quickly. I am listening. Where are the other unicorns and what is the red bull? Listen, listen. (laughs) The king is in the counting house. Counting out, counting out, counting. The unicorn, unsure if the story is true, but worried that the other unicorns may need her, decides to leave the forest to find out for herself. After traveling for some time, the unicorn stops to sleep, where she is found by Mommy Fortuna, the leader of a traveling carnival. Mommy Fortuna uses magic to cage the unicorn, adding her to the carnival. The unicorn is visited in her cage by a carnival employee, Schmendrick the Magician. Schmendrick explains the goings-on and how the majority of the other creatures at the carnival are fakes, magical illusions cast by Mommy Fortuna. The only true creatures are the unicorn and a vicious harpy. That is the harpy, Selena. Yes, the old woman caught her by chance asleep, just as she took you. Oh, she should never have meddled with a real harpy, or a real unicorn for that matter, because the truth melts her magic, always. The harpy is particularly dangerous, as it's just waiting for the opportunity to escape and kill. Mummy Fortuna speaks to the unicorn and reveals that she knows about the Red Bull, calling it the Red Bull of King Haggard. Do you speak of the Red Bull? Tell me if you do, and where he is if you know. The Red Bull of King Haggard. So you know of the bull. Well, he'll not have you. You belong to me. That night, Schmendrick arrives to help free the unicorn. Eager to prove himself a great magician, Schmendrick tries, and fails, to use his magic to unlock the cage, instead having to opt for simply unlocking it with stolen keys. One of Marmy Fortuna's men arrives and begins to fight with Schmendrick. 
The unicorn takes the opportunity to free the rest of the captured creatures of the carnival, including the harpy. The harpy takes flight, and upon seeing Mommy Fortuna, begins to attack her. The unicorn and Schmendrick take the opportunity to quietly escape. After the coast is clear, the unicorn explains her quest to Schmendrick and questions him about King Hagrid's Red Bull. Schmendrick explains that King Hagrid is an old man who rules over a barren country by the sea, and that there are many stories about the Red Bull, and he's not sure which is true. Together, the unicorn and Schmendrick walk to Hagrid's kingdom. At one point, they are separated by a group of outlaws, who capture Schmendrick and take him back to their camp. There we meet Captain Cully and his band of not-so-married men, including Cully's gruff but kind partner, Molly Grew. Schmendrick is freed by the unicorn and the two set off again, only to run into Molly. Upon seeing the unicorn, Molly insists on coming with them on their quest. You can't come with us, we're on a quest. Can't I? Ask her. Never! I, Schmendrick the Magician, forbid it! And be wary of rousing a wizard's wrath! Rousing a wizard's wrath! Be wary of making a, a magician angry! If I chose, I could turn you into a frog! <laughs> the group sets off again, and finally come within sight of King Hager's castle. Unfortunately, they soon come face to face with the Red Bull itself, a giant flaming bull that sets its sights on the unicorn. Trying to save the unicorn, Schmendrick attempts his magic once again, and ends up transforming the unicorn into a human woman. Fooled by the deception, the Red Bull quietly leaves. While Schmendrick is overjoyed at the success of his magic, Molly angrily chastises him, as he has now trapped the unicorn in a human body. I can feel this body dying all around me! But, but it's only for a little while, I promise you. Soon you'll have your true shape again, forever. Why not now? Schmendrick, you can't let us stay like this. You can't possibly... Why not? Unless you think you could defeat the bull if you met him again. No. And I'm afraid of this human body. More than I was of the Red Bull. Afraid. Unfortunately, this human body is now the only way that the unicorn can safely reach Hagrid's castle, where they hope they can find more information about what happened to the other unicorns. The group reaches Hagrid's seaside castle, introducing the unicorn as Lady Amalthea. There they meet King Hagrid, a grim, joyless ruler of an empty kingdom. After some convincing, Hagrid allows the trio to become servants at his castle. While Schmendrick and Molly secretly try to find the location of the Red Bull, Amalthea begins struggling to remember who she is and why she came to Hagrid's castle. Hagrid's son, Prince Lear, begins to fall in love with Amalthea, and the more she forgets, the more she begins to fall in love with him as well. While that is going on, it soon becomes clear that Hagrid knows who Lady Amalthea really is, and he reveals to her what he did with the rest of her kind. He used the Red Bull to drive the other unicorns into the sea, where they are now forced to live within the waves, unable to return to the shore for fear of the Red Bull. The unicorns are the one thing that make Hagrid happy, and he refuses to give them up. I like to watch them. They fill me with joy. The first time I felt it, I thought I was going to die. I said to the Red Bull, I must have them. I must have all of them, all there are, for nothing makes me happy. But their shining and their grace. Hager threatens to throw Amalthea into the sea, but opts to wait. After some searching and an encounter with a drunken skeleton, Schmendrick and Molly uncover the location of the Red Bull. 
Along with Amalthea, they enter the passage and are followed by Prince Lear and Haggard. While Lear is there to help, Haggard is not, and he destroys the entrance, forcing the group to travel through the Red Bull's lair. Schmendrick explains who Amalthea really is to Prince Lear, who declares that, I love who I love. Upon this declaration, Amalthea begs to not be turned back into a unicorn, wanting to stay with Lear, knowing that she will not love him if she gets turned back into a unicorn. It is Prince Lear who insists that Amalthea's quest should not be abandoned, and that the other unicorns must be free. My lady, I am a hero, and heroes know that things must happen when it is time for them to happen. A quest may not simply be abandoned. Unicorns may go unrescued for a long time, but not forever. The happy ending cannot come in the middle of the story. Shortly thereafter, the Red Bull appears, and he now seems to recognize that Amalthea is actually a unicorn. Casting a spell, Schmendrick manages to transform Amalthea back into the unicorn. The Red Bull pursues the unicorn, and Prince Lear leaps into action to try and protect her. He is no match for the Red Bull and is struck down, dead. The sight of which inspires the unicorn to fight back against the bull, driving the bull into the sea. The waves begin to crest, and when they crash onto the shore, the unicorns who were trapped in them break free. They gallop across the land, the thundering of their hooves shaking Haggard's castle so much that it collapses, causing Haggard to fall to his death. The unicorn stays behind, using a bit of her magic to bring Prince Lear back to life. The unicorn declares that she remembers Lear, running off before he can say goodbye. And thus the film begins to draw to a close. Prince Lear bids Schmendrick and Molly goodbye, comforted by Schmendrick's declaration that the unicorn will remember him long after he has passed. After Lear leaves, the unicorn appears to Schmendrick. He apologizes to the unicorn for turning her human, as the unicorn has now learned to regret and will forever be different from the other unicorns. I am sorry. I have done you evil, and I cannot undo it. No. Unicorns are in the world again. No sorrow will live in me as long as that joy. Save one. And I thank you for that part, too. Farewell, good magician. I will try to go home. The film ends with Schmendrick and Molly looking on as the unicorn runs off, returning home. There's a lot of hard-to-pronounce names all strung together in this fucking film. <laughs> well, well done, it's, Christy. Thank you. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'll keep that, keep them in, but I had to stop and ask Brie how to pronounce Amalthea because I forgot to do the phonetic spelling, and I cannot pronounce some names sometimes. That's fair. That's fair. It's, we got Schmendrick. We got Amalthea. Schmendrick's Schmendrick, I that one's not, not too bad yeah. though. It is kind of it's fun to say. Schmendrick, I think it, the I, magician. Yes. Oh, he's a fun character. I he is. Do is, I, do we want to uh, start where, discussing him, or is there something like there's so much to talk with this one because this is, oh. I you could just go through the scenes of this movie and there's. We could just gab about them for forever. Forever. And probably just talking about how much we love them. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, uh, okay. Well, let's start at the beginning, which okay. is 
There's the hunters, and then the unicorn talks to the butterfly. What what does Steve have to say about this butterfly? Let's, <laughs> okay, you're you're let's get that out of you're eight kid to hear this. I'm All well, right. I'm I'm very curious. So basically, um, I ended up I mentioned this that we were covering this film to Steve because I can remember discussing this movie with him. Um, I think mostly to make fun of him because I, I, I remember like he used to just like quote the, uh, the boob tree (laughs) (laughs) for anyone that's not seen this movie. um, Titty tree. Yeah. At one point, Schmendrick uses his magic. Uh, he's tied to a tree. He tries to use his magic to free himself, but he just turns the tree into like a tree lady and the tree lady smothers him in her boobs. Yep. Her tree boobs. Her, t- her big old um, tree titties. Yeah. Um, but I remember like Steve and I, I think Steve would just like quote that scene randomly, <laughs> what the tree says. <laughs> and so it just, it just like stuck out. It stuck out in my memory. So... Um, when we, I, I mentioned this film to him because I was curious if he had anything to say about it. And, uh, he didn't have much to say about the boob tree, but he did end up, he wrote, Brie, a quasi-thesis on the butterfly that talks to the unicorn. What? Um, Steve proposes that the, the, the butterfly is a time-traveling, possibly eternal butterfly, um... Uh, because the the butterfly speaks in rhymes and song lyrics, and as Steve details in his multi-page manifesto, the butterfly references stuff from a ton of different eras and time yeah. periods. So, Steve, in this document, let me link it to you, Bree. Holy shit! He went he went through line by line um, to look up the like the origins of each of these these quotes or the song references. Oh my god. Um, yeah, so he went. He went a little. We've got five pages breaking it down line by line uh, wow. with Steve's commentary added throughout. Um, he refers to this as the Elton John butterfly, as he puts it. Um, it is the son of Sir Elton John and Arthur George R. R. Martin. Steve. St- okay, Steve. When, Steve. Whenever you hear this, you need to know you're my hero. <laughs> absolutely stunning it's it's pretty yeah it's if we get if we get permission from steve we should probably link this uh uh, yeah look at it because this is beautiful i'm gonna have to yeah i'm gonna have to figure out how to do this and it's just it's just amazing um where is there's one that i really liked it here um, so the the butterfly sings a bit of "You Are My Sunshine" at one point, yeah. and so Steve gives us the story about how um, when he was young, his mom had him sing this to his grandma, um, and he says, "I remember singing it a bunch just because I could. I think it was the novelty of knowing a song as a kid, like it was this thing I had on me at all times. Then my mom probably weaponized it at a family event to one up her sister." Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so St- Steve goes through, and because these these lyrics reference all these different time periods, he thinks that the butterfly must be a time traveler. And he also says, like, um, some species of butterfly can live up to a year, but the average li- lifespan of a butterfly is two to four weeks. And so that's not a lot of time to wander. 
So for Elton Butterfly, <laughs> Elton John Butterfly to know all of this information, some kind of collective hive mind shit must be going on here <laughs> or rapid time travel uh or or the or other he's like also time travel. immortal. Or he's also immortal. Yes. Oh my god. Um this is maybe one of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah. Um truly phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. <laughs> Yeah. This is this you. is this is a gift for my birthday. Thank you. Oh yeah, here you oh go. Oh my god. <laughs> I I don't know. I just uh, want to keep like reading bits of this. Yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see if we can link this somewhere. Um Oh. Yeah, this is this is pretty magical. Thank you, Steve. Um it's it's funny. I never really like gave much heed to the butterfly knowing all these different song lyrics because i just assumed that it was just like a genie thing you know genie from aladdin yeah i also assumed that as like there's there's lines in this film that i think are just clearly meant to be like silly jokes that are are just sort of like yeah genie from aladdin style even though this predates aladdin by uh, over a decade but like you know that sort of style of like anachronistic just like haha Silly joke. Yeah. Um, at one point, like the the bandit leader is like, "Have a taco" while they're sitting in the in yeah. the forest, and it's like, "All right, yeah, they don't have tacos here, but this is just a silly like, it's just a joke." Yeah. Prin- Prince Lear at one point tells uh, they fire somebody, and Prince Lear says that he'll write them a reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's just like. There's just, like, little one-off jokes that are just, like, presumably just funny. But I do enjoy that Steve has has taken it to be... Yeah. No. This, this, this butterfly is a time-traveling immortal. Yes. And, or a hive oh. mind. And I, I love that so much. I should... I, I'll give you one last note here. Because I feel... Steve, like, emphasized this to me in, in like, our, our messages to... So I feel like I, I should mention it. Okay. But he says, uh, a note on Sir Elton John's best albums is <laughs> Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. But his best song is I'm Still Standing, which was the inspiration for the original DuckTales theme, A Topic for Another Time. <laughs> which, I don't I don't think he has a citation for that. Um, it's, I mean... Steve needs his own <laughs> podcast where he can just talk about things. I wish I wish that we could have gotten him on for the Swan Princess one, <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like he would have derailed it yeah. so so hard. Yeah. We would not we would not have been able to talk anything about the Swan Princess no. movie. <laughs> but there you go, Incredible. Steve. Incredible. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Oh, well, speaking of music, um, yes, the soundtrack for this movie, absolutely incredible. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I know most of the songs. (laughs) It's just they're so good. Yeah, they're done by the band America. Yeah, which I had never heard of them before this film. I don't really know. I don't know what else they've done. I don't. I genuinely couldn't tell you. I am not a big music person. I know very little about music and bands and stuff like that. I just 
it's not uh it's it's not an area of expertise of mine but like i i know yeah. nothing else about america the band um other than they did the, the soundtrack to the last unicorn and it's great <laughs> it it is i it like the songs there's every single song has like a, an ethereal quality to it that just lends itself so well to this movie and to just like seeing the shots of the song overlaid with like the unicorn and, and her running through the woods or it's just, it, I don't know. It See, and then this is, we're running to the issue of like, it just works so well. How do you describe <laughs> this? It just works. How do you use words to, to explain the perfection that is these like eighties ballads overlaid over this like yeah. beautiful, animation and like the incredible style of these backgrounds and just there's just a like it is a moment captured in time that can never be recreated that is just like perfect yeah <laughs> like it's it's yeah. very imperfect but it is perfect and maybe we should oh. mention that this was done by uh produced by Rankin Bass who they're you know normally yeah. known for their uh stop motion holiday specials yeah, um, or, and the um, the uh, Lord of the Rings uh, Hobbit movie, Lord of the Rings, like the, yes, the the early early ones, um, Ralph Bakshi, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's such a there's such a nice style to this. There, Rankin Bass in some of their holiday specials, um. They like every so often they would do something 2D. And as a kid, I always wanted more because I love yeah. the look of their 2D stuff. Um I I think it if I remember right, like I I their production offices were in Japan, so I think it just mm -hmm. had that little like dash of that uh Japan anime style which especially as a kid that was so new and so different than what we saw on uh like North American TVs it was just something so special and so seeing those little bits of 2D animation in the Rankin Bass holiday stuff again just wanted more and more so i i i wish that it, and, and that's another reason why I wish I had seen this movie as a kid, because it's, it's an entire film of that wonderf wonderful yeah. art style that they used. Oh, it's, oh it's... the style is so unique and and special. It's just like yeah, nowhere else. Something about the eyes in particular. It always comes down to the eyes in a lot of these. How they handle them. It just. Mm -hmm. There's just something. <laughs> Fuck! This is so weird. Like, oh, there's just some mysterious We're thing that we are unable being to like, explain. Hey, hey. <laughs> the thing, though, that thing. Elaborate? No. <laughs> no, we can't. We can't. Fuck no. off! Stop asking us. We are not the poets. We do not know the words required no. to elaborate on on the feeling that this invokes. Yeah. Um, which is no, great for a podcast where we're talking yes. about <laughs> Yeah. We are <laughs> this is our our kryptonite is trying to explain a good film. <laughs> oh. oh. It's just so good. You guys it's so good. It's just so good. Oh.
Um, okay. Uh, where, uh, Mommy Fortuna's Midnight Carnival is oh, the yeah. next stop on their trip. Um, which is kind of amazing. Mommy Fortuna voiced by Angela Lansbury, which I completely yeah. forgot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Her, her carnival... So her whole the whole deal with this carnival is that she uses magic to create illusions around creatures. So she has uh oh god, I'm trying to think of some of the ones. There's just like a lion she has and a, a lion that they have thinking as a manticore. She's got like a, a an a, a, like an a chimp that she's magic to look like a satyr, um, a snake to be the the Midgard serpent. Mm-hmm. Um, so she just has all these like normal animals in cages that she is enchanted to look like like mythical beasts that she just parades around. But then she also has um, Seleno the 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 harpy who mm-hmm. has her three titties right out, and she is just <laughs> in this in this cage, um, yeah. full of just like absolute hatred. But is yes. trapped by by the magic cage, and it's like, oh man. And the the harpy, this harpy is great because mummy for oh. you know, like the unicorn, the unicorn's talking to mummy Fortuna, and and basically saying like, that's your death in that cage over there. And mummy yeah, Fortuna, like, she she will get out, she will get out, mm-hmm. and she will kill you. Like it's going yeah. to happen. And mummy Fortuna is like, yeah, I know. <laughs> She she kind of wants it because as she 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 describes it, um, both the unicorn and the harpy because they are immortal creatures, they'll always remember her, um, yeah. and that remember that mommy Fortuna held them prisoner. And she says like, so there's my immortality aid. That's her way of always being remembered. <laughs> the harp is as real as you are, and just as immortal. And she was just as easy to capture, if you want to know. Do not boast, old woman. Your death sits in that cage, and she hears you. Oh, she'll kill me one day or another. But she will remember forever that I caught her, that I held her prisoner. So there's my immortality, eh? <laughs> it's it, like it's crazy, because when the harpy is freed, Mommy Fortuna kind of like... She doesn't run away trying to flee. She stands there and she almost like welcomes it. You'll yeah, you'll always remember that I I caught you and I held you prisoner. Yeah, you were mine and it, kind of thing. And that's like, ooh. Ooh. Dang. It's it's it's, really like, it, it's an intense scene. You and you see that harpy go after her and Oh, yeah. Well, cuz like it it's Schmendrick Tries his tries to do his magic to open the unicorn's cage, and it doesn't work. This, the the bars are as brittle as old cheese, which I crumble and scatter so, and it does not work. Uh, <laughs> um, so it's what it's, my lady, you you deserve the skills of a first rate magician, but you'll have to settle for the skills of a second rate pickpocket or something like that. So he's just like, <laughs> I just stole the keys from the other guy, um, and he just opens the door. And the other guy comes back. They're they're tussling, and the unicorn's like, "Well, I'm a I'm gonna just let everything else out." And then she gets to the harpy last, 
And the harpy doesn't say anything else except for one line in in and she's just like free me you are we are sisters you and i and then the the shamantrix's like don't fucking let her out but the unicorn does and immediately the harpy's like now i'm gonna kill you yeah the harpy she's like attacking the the unicorn unicorn. yeah um and then it switches to holly or not uh switches to mommy fortuna (laughs) as soon as she sees her she's like oh no wait fuck you (laughs) Yeah, fuck, it's like, fuck fair, you, but also fair. fuck her more. Oh, yeah, and I, there's there's a line in that that, I don't know why, but it just, like, it hit me, where, because Sh- Schmendrick is, like, once when the harpy is occupied with Mommy Fortuna and eating her, um, he's, like, trying to get the unicorn, like, let's run, let's go, and the unicorn says, um, You must never uh, run never... from anything immortal. <laughs> it attracts their yeah. attention. That... <laughs> That's such a good line. It's it's like yeah. I wish I I wish I thought of that because I wish I could use it in something. Oh, it's so it's, good. It's so evocative of who these immortal creatures are. You know, yeah. Like probably including including the unicorn itself. Like, oh these yeah. Are, these are a particular thing in this world that you have to know how to deal with. Or you're going to be like Mommy Fortuna. Yeah, on the you're receiving <laughs> end of that harpy. <laughs> yeah. Like there are rules for this shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It, it's and I'll tell you one thing for all of the uh the t- all of the times that I have watched this, um, I didn't actually notice that because they have they start getting followed around by a crow after this, and I never mm-hmm. realized I don't think that it was the crow that sits on Mommy Fortuna's hat. Yeah, because a crow kind of starts fucking with them now and then through, through for the next little bit of the film, and it's like, oh no, that 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 was the crow getting like fucking vengeance. Yeah. Oh, poor little guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, I the whole oh. Mommy Fortuna's whole thing about being remembered. It kind of comes up again later in the film. But I, I just wanted to, like, talk about it a bit more. Because this idea of being made immortal, because you'll always be remembered, is really powerful and yeah. also f- fucking frightening. You know? Yeah. Because how many of us are going to be remembered? Yeah, it's, it is definitely, like, when you think about it, it's a, it's a thing that hits and it's, it's all over yeah. this film. Like, it's... yeah. It's the harpy remembering Mommy Fortuna. It's even when Schmendrick uh, turns the tree into a big titty lady. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The the tree is like, there's no no immortality like a tree's love. I'll remember the color Mm -hmm. of your eyes when all others have forgotten your name. Like it's... Mm -hmm. And then at the end, it's like the unicorn will remember like Prince Lear and Schmendrick and Molly for forever. Like, yeah. forever and ever. It's like, wow. It is all over this yeah. film that it's like, we are we are short and our lives are short and eventually we, we will be forgotten. But there are these things that will, like, memories can live on. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Dang. It's just... Oh. Yeah, this, 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 like, sent me into, like, a weird, like, little crisis thinking about this. Oh, no. Because <laughs> I... <laughs> No, it's okay. It's just like 
I I don't know. I like I just I so I have ancestors that I have pictures of, and my grandma has told me a few things about them. Like I have uh, great great grandparents who they used to run a little ice cream shop, oh, uh, wow. ice cream and tea shop. Um, and I even I have their ice cream scoop that they used in that store's family heirloom. Um, and yet at the same time, I couldn't tell you their names right now because I, yeah. I would have to go and look at the uh, the picture that grandma wrote their names on the back for me. But it's just like yeah. it's 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 just so weird. It's weird to think about. And, it you know, these people, I wouldn't be here if they didn't exist. And yet they only barely exist through the memories that my grandmother has passed down to me. And, and I, it makes me like, think about what kind of legacy I'm leaving in the world. Like, what are people going to remember from me? Or like, how long am I going to be remembered for? Yeah. It's, it's almost like there's like a, cause, cause human memory is only so long. And it's like, yeah, I I don't know anything about my grandparents' parents or their grandparents. Like I, I never learned about them. So it's yeah. like those people were important, and they lived full lives, and they were part of my family, and they had full experiences and everything. And it's like I am I am alive because of them, but I don't know who they were. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. wild thing to think about. Yeah, it's like maybe this is just an age thing. I like <laughs> there there are things in this movie that I don't think I I under I understood in my oh, god no because I, I I did not have that you know that life experience. This is one of them. Is you know why would Mommy Fortuna care about being remembered by these immortal creatures? But now it's like I kind of get it. Yeah, if you. If you want to ensure that your your life is going to exist as a regular run of the mill person, um, there's like not much we can do, and that's scary and that's hard to live with sometimes. Yeah. But if you can, you can capture a fucking unicorn. <laughs> you can catch and, something that lives forever. Yeah. Or, like, I guess build the pyramids and hope that nobody, um, like, knocks them down. Yeah. Or, like... <laughs> well, and because you, you oh. never know. Because there's, like, there's, there's like, what, graffiti from Pompeii with people's names and, like, what they were doing at the time and insults to each mm-hmm. other. And it's, like, I don't think they wrote that down expecting that people thousands of years later would look at it and be, like, oh, damn. <laughs> This no. person was was fucking taking a piss over in this corner <laughs> and wrote their name on the wall. It's like, oh, it's wild. Yeah. Like you can't you you kind of can't choose what you leave behind because it may it may stay and or it may be something completely innocuous or it may be nothing. Mhm. Yeah, it's like yeah. Am, am I going to my is my presence on the internet like 200 years from now if the internet and human existence is still a thing (laughs) and is my stupid little wordpress blog about bad princess movies is that still going to exist are people going to be able to read my stupid musings about these little films (laughs) or like listen to our fucking audio 
Oh, man. Cause, yeah, because who knows? Because yeah. you can't see the future and we don't know what's going to ha- like. People made fucking incredible Flash games and there's probably people out there who made them and who <laughs> yeah. had them out there and are like, I'll just leave this here. And now you can't there's they don't exist anymore. So it's yeah. like, you know, it's. Can, can yeah. I tell you, I have been. There was a flash game that I used to play on the Skippy <laughs> on the Skippy peanut butter website. Uh-huh. And it was called it was something like the the search or the quest for the golden peanut and it was like in a, a just like a and a little adventure game with the the Skippy the peanut butter the little squirrel mascot. Uh-huh. And, and I remember playing that game because it it was randomized and so it was sometimes it was so tricky to figure out like, where's this item? I And I played it so much, trying to figure out how to fucking beat it. And I did. And I had so many good memories of playing this fucking game. Oh, man. But it's long gone. It yeah. is long gone. And I wish that I could play that stupid game again just for the novelty <laughs> of it. And it's been, like, that probably is, like, like a 25-year-old fucking Flash game. Oh, man. And it exists in my memory. <laughs> that's that's a little bit of its immortality. <laughs> yes. This is, this, I'm the fucking harpy to this. <laughs> oh. God. Oh. Man. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> after, okay, after Mommy Fortuna's carnival, uh, they then run into Captain Cully and his band of free men. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, or just these sad, sad outlaws hanging out in the woods. Yeah, it's like oh. I. I guess we should mention. So this is based on a novel, which I have not read. Yes. I don't know if you have, Brie. I have, but I think it was just once, and it was a long time ago. So there's a there's not a lot that I remember. Like my memory of the last unicorn is much more the movie this, this than it film. is yeah. the the novel. Um, I'm fairly certain I've read the book, but, like, I can't tell you for certain. I know I own it. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm pretty sure I've read it. Like, but I don't, I couldn't tell you the differences at this point. Yeah. All good. I, I was just going to say, like, based on just how he is in, in the film, I'm not sure if it would differ from the book at all. But Captain Cully, you don't see much of him, but what you do get is that he seems like... He he must have like read the stories of Robin Hood and he was so inspired by this guy that he thought I'm that's that I'm going to be Robin Hood. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. But the reality of going and living in the fucking woods as an outlaw is fucking yeah. miserable. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're you're eating watered down rat soup because you got nothing else to eat. Like <laughs> you're living just in dirt and squalor. Yeah. It's not romantic. <laughs> It's no. just shit. Yeah. It's it's just But he, he really still lives hyping this image up. Like, he's like, no, I am the great Captain Cully, and these are my free men, and we are the reality. We are, like, Robin Hood's a myth, and we, but we are real. Yeah. It's like, oh, and- that sucks, dude. <laughs> and it, it's such a, it's a great moment because schmendrick so schmendrick attempts to perform for the outlaws and the unicorn 
who is watching from the shadows, she ends up using her magic to help assist Mendrick. Because Mendrick can't do shit. He's a he's a <laughs> shit magician and he knows it. But the unicorn helps and creates an illusion of Robin Hood and his merry men. And it's it starts off like it's really cool and it's kind of this fun moment with um you know the the unicorn and Schmendrick like they're tricking these outlaws, but then it gets really fucking sad because all of these outlaws see Robin and his merry men kind of just walk off into the woods and they they drop everything to go chasing after them. They are so fucking desperate. Yeah, to, I think be a part of the like I don't know have that have the Robin Hood myth that romantic life of an outlaw they that's what they want and they just go chasing after this illusion of robin hood hoping that they could maybe make it real yeah like they want they want to join this illusion yeah it's just just so fucking sad it's really sad um and then that's also where we meet molly grew who i love her so much yeah molly grew is like the standout character in this film. Um, uh, uh, I love her. Oh, God. She... <laughs> she is like this like middle-aged woman who has just like had this incredibly tough life. You can just tell. But yeah. she's got this yeah. like incredible kind heart and a, just a rough exterior. And she's... It, oh, I love her so much. Yeah, it's, she, y- yeah, you put it good. It, she's very, like, she's had a hard fucking life. She's not happy being with these no. outlaws, but it almost feels like she doesn't know what else she would be doing. So I get, she's yeah, just like, like she is, this is where her life has, has dumped her out. And she's just like, well, I guess I'm here. <laughs> like, this mm-hmm. sucks, but yeah, I, this is where I'm at. And, and I, and so something we haven't touched on in this movie is that, they establish that not everyone can see the unicorn for who she really is. A lot of people just see her as a white mare. Um, mm-hmm. And and I that kind of comes from the... So there's in our world, and in this world as well, they, I think they play it the same way, where there's this myth that unicorns... To to be able to see a unicorn, you have to be a chaste, virginal young woman. Yeah, you have to be like um, a, a new, pure woman. Air yes. quotes, you know. Yeah. Um, and this film doesn't, like, again, it doesn't seem to actually, well, we know it doesn't adhere to this, but the people in this world think it does. Yeah. And so when Molly Grew sees the unicorn... She like she sees the unicorn and she begins to cry and she has this it's an amazing oh. scene where she starts calling out the unicorn asking her where have you been where were you 10 where were you- 20 years ago 10 years ago where were you when i was new where have you been where have you been where have you been don't you talk to her that way i'm here now <laughs> Oh, and where were you 20 years ago, 10 years ago? Where were you when I was new? When I was one of those innocent young maidens you always come to? How dare you? How dare you come to me now when I am this? (laughs) 
really see her? Do you really know what she is? If you had been waiting to see a unicorn as long as I have... She's the last unicorn in the world. It would be the last unicorn in the world that came to Molly Crew. How dare you come to me now when I, when am, I am this? And it's just like, oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's And it's just heartbreaking. This, this woman who, again, as you saw, she is so nice and she drops everything to help this unicorn. And she is bitterly weeping and seeing it almost like as a joke that now the unicorn comes to her. Which yeah, she feels... it would be the last unicorn in the world that came to Molly Grew. Like, oof. Yeah. Yeah. And this is another one of those things that I didn't quite get as no, a kid. No, no. Yeah. Oh. oh, I love her so much. Yeah. Uh, I hope she and Schmendrick had a good life after the events of this movie. Yeah, they kind of just they kind of stick together afterwards and and imply that they they continue on together. And it's like, oh, I hope they get to be happy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I really yeah. It's funny. I'm like, like Schmendrick's a nice guy, and I wish happiness for him too. But I mostly wish it for Molly. Yeah, she like deserves to be just- happy. Yeah. Oh. Uh, maybe she could adopt the pirate cat. I love the pirate cat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good cat. Yeah. I is, love the thing. It's out of the, order. It's this fucking peg leg eye patch cat that tells riddles and talks. No one blinks. That's just how things are here. It's Yeah. I love it. I love that little little cat. He's great. He's wonderful. He just like, I guess he just hangs out at Haggard's castle, or like he's a mouser there yeah. or something. He oh, just yeah. like just starts chat- chatting up Molly Grew one day. It's just great. Yeah, just just hanging out. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they make it to King Haggard's castle, and King Haggard, played by the incredible Christopher Lee. Yeah. And Jeff he Bridges is Prince Lear. <laughs> Oh, uh, I guess b- before that, though, do we need to talk oh, yes. more about yeah. the the actual transformation of the unicorn into a human? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, like, Schmendrick, Schmendrick manages, or it's more like the, it seems like it's like the magic of the world itself acting through Schmendrick. It's not something he has control over. He basically just says, magic, do as you will, and the magic transforms the unicorn into a human woman. Yeah, it's almost like he sort of uses himself as a conduit for magic instead of actually actively using it. Yeah. And um, so the the unicorn gets turned into a human woman and they... Ugh. How they play this, it's like... I wish that you were maybe a little older when you saw it as a kid, but because I would love to know... <laughs> what your reaction would be because i feel like in any other movie this would be like a non-issue and uh, of uh, transforming a unicorn into a human lady it probably would just be this like magical thing oh look how beautiful this moment is here it is implicitly this is a shit thing that just happened yeah this is because bad actually yeah <laughs> the the unicorn 
the unicorn says she could feel the human body dying all around her. Yeah. That's what it feels like for an immortal being to be turned mortal. Which I, I feel like that's something that is like stuck with me just for a long, I don't know, probably not from like when I first saw it, but like for a long time, mm-hmm. like it's such a, it's such a, a powerful thing. It's just like, she's like, I am an immortal creature and I have been trapped in this mortal husk that is, I can feel it, like, time affects this, and I can feel it dying. (laughs) And it's like, ooh, that sucks. Mm -hmm. That's a bad, oh, that must not be good. It's it's something, again, I, this movie, it gets better when you're older and you can kind of understand, because as I'm getting older, and I, you know... (laughs) I can feel this feel- body dying all around me. My back hurts. Though. My knees yeah. hurt. My fucking knees crack. You just like wake up or oh. like you, you go to the doctor and you're like, hey, this this new thing has just started happening to me. And the doctor just tells you, yep, that's old age. And you're like, huh. Okay, uh, cool. Cool. I have to contend with that shit now. That's just, this that's body- just what happens, I guess. Yeah. Um. Great. Thanks. Wonderful. Good to know. Yeah, it's... Again, I feel like a little kid watching this, it would be, like, very hard for them to understand that. And also, you know, yeah. like, why is it... Oh, but she's a pretty lady now. No, <laughs> it's bad children. <laughs> this is bad, actually. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but yes, they they make it to Haggard's castle um, with a naked lady in tow. Um, and just like show up on his doorstep. So, and like, I will say, we were talking about the anachronistic things. Um, yeah. Before, it was literally this last viewing that I had last night. For a long time, as they're walking up, because as they're coming up to King Haggard's castle, Prince Lear and and Haggard are watching them come towards them and they're like what the fuck's with these guys and then prince lear <laughs> says something like that woman there's something about her and for years i thought he he actually says like a newness like there's a newness about yeah. her she, like she, like she's brand new for some reason but she is a, a, a an adult woman just like yeah a sense about her yeah for some reason, for for many, many years, I thought he was calling her a nudist because she's only wearing a cloak. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, it was just a joke. I thought oh, it was some no. kind of funny joke that he was talking that he was that was in the film. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so it goes to show no matter time. how many times you can watch something, you might you might discover something new. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. I mean, it works for the scene. Yeah. Well, it's, that's why I was like, because she's just, she's naked, but for Schmendrick's cloak. And he's like, yeah. is that a, she a nudist? Well, and like, they don't really, I don't remember, I don't remember them really commenting on it anyways. Like, I know Lear at one point tells, oh, well, we could get you, we could make you a pretty dress. Yeah. And, you know, like, well, I can to- get you some cloth. We'll make a dress. But it's never yeah, like, but- why are you naked but for a yeah. cloak? Like, what's yeah. what's up? 
Yeah, like, why, like, you know, because Schmendrick's like, this is my niece or something like that. Um, Okay, cool. Why is your niece naked? Why does she, (laughs) like, just, like, stare out the windows forlornly at the sea? Like, what's going on here, bud? Uh, Is your, is she okay? Like, Yeah, like, something's something's going on. (laughs) It's, I do appreciate that Haggard, like, figures it out pretty quick that she's the unicorn because they this oh, is almost very instantly suspect. yeah yeah this is all very suspect what they what they did they just kind of i think he just like allowed them into the castle partly just out of curiosity of how things would play out yeah well he feels like um like he is just a nihilist with terrible depression and yeah. he's made that everyone's problem like <laughs> He doesn't care about yeah. what happens to him. He doesn't care about what happens to Lear. All he wants is the the fleeting joy he gets from looking at unicorns because that is the only thing that makes him feel something. Yeah. And it's like And that's like woof. All right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Damn, that's man. another like that's another scary thing to think of in this movie because I feel like I I'm sure we've all had moments like that. Like hopefully short moments in our lives. <laughs> Where we, it's hard to be happy and you feel like nothing makes you happy for long. And the idea that this man has spent his entire, like he's an old man. And the idea that he spent his entire fucking life unable to find any shred of lasting happiness. That's like fucking terrifying. Yeah. And I don't, I don't condone trapping unicorns, but I can almost kind of understand. (laughs) Yeah. It's like you have found one thing that makes you feel even the slightest spark of joy and you don't care about other people you don't care about the feelings of others you don't care about anything but you have found one thing that makes you happy and you will get it and like Mm -hmm. that is like obviously a fucking evil thing to do because he's trapping a bunch of goddamn unicorns in the sea but like also it from an adult perspective it's like oh Oh, yeah, all right. I can see how you came to this. Yeah, yeah. The The scene with Haggard on the balcony, and he reveals that he, you know, he knows that Almathea is a unicorn. That, that whole moment is great, where we get to, like, hear him talking about, like, his, like, why he's doing this and how, how he feels about it. It's, it's so creepy, um, I mean, it's creepy enough as it is, but the fact that, that Almathea, she, she's losing her memory. She doesn't yeah. quite understand what the fuck he's getting on about. He's, to her, he's just this- Raving, creepy old man. Yeah. Yeah. This creepy old man talking about unicorns in the ocean and threatening her. And it's, yeah, it's just like, what? Yeah, it's, it's just, holy shit. Do you still deny yourself? still pretend to be human. I'll hurl you down to the others with my own hands if you dare deny yourself. Uh, what are you saying? Yeah. You feel bad for her because she is freaked out at the end of it. Which, fair. Yeah. <laughs> and like, just the, the fact that she is completely also losing herself she is, like, scared and has no idea what's going on, what's happening to her, who she is, why she's there. And then there's this, this like, 
mad old man who's like yelling at her about about how he knows that she is this and like he will have her and you're like oh boy howdy this poor yeah this poor girl yeah this poor unicorn and like he probably like he probably would have killed her if not for like i think and I'm hoping I'm interpreting this correctly, but it seems like he backs off because he recognizes that if he just waits, the unicorn part of Amalthea will die. Yeah. Or is it? Yeah. And he will. It, yeah. Or like, he, th- I think he thinks they're planning something or there's something going on. Like, he's like, why are you, I, I don't know what you're doing or why you're doing this, but I'll wait. I'll find out. Like, there's yeah. nothing you can do to hurt or stop me. I have the rest of the unicorns. I have the Red Bull. You're in my kingdom. I can wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's that would actually be far more sinister, maybe. Yeah, that would be that, pretty that, cool. I feel like that's how I... Yeah. Because oh, really, just... he has he has all the hands at this. You're like, all right. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. doesn't care. He d- <laughs> no. And I guess that's part of like his joylessness too is that he's just like whatever. Like you know, he 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 he's willing to just wait and see because it's all the same to him. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, King Haggard is. Duel. Yeah. He is an interesting villain. Yeah. I like there's um there there's like a small small line in um in this film. So there Haggard has a master magician that he ends up firing um to like get Schmendrick on board. Um because he says a master magician is not made me happy. Yeah. Um, a master magician <laughs> has not made me happy. Let's see what an incompetent one can do. And so he she fires the master magician, and the master magician's not happy, obviously. But Mabrook realizes who Amalthea is, and he ends up just kind of like laughing and and just like, all right, well, fuck it. Like Haggard's, you know, his his undoing. You've let your years. doom in by the front door. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's a great line because it applies not only to uh, Amalthea. But Prince Lear as well, um, because as mm. we find out, Lear Prince Lear is actually Haggard's adopted son who was left on his doorstep. So both Haggard and Lear, mm-hmm. they're both like they have these key roles in besting the Red Bull. Were let in through Haggard's front door. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dang. Oh Prince Lear. Oh Prince Lear. <laughs> what do you think of him? Oh, my man is doing his best. Yeah. yeah. I like him as a character. He really, like, he's like, I see this lady. And, like, he's like, okay, she's hot. Cool. But then, like, he, he keeps trying <laughs> to, like, figure out what her deal is. He keeps trying to impress her. And like for a while, it's because she's a unicorn. She don't she doesn't really give a shit. And then it's then she's just she starts losing her her memory and her sense of self and who she is. And, and so she's like, I I'm scared and confused and not 
not reciprocating your advances. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but he's like, I, I still care about her. And one of like one of the things that like I find most endearing, I think, about his his sort of coming to her and trying to to impress her is that eventually she's like she's having all these problems all, all these problems like all these issues with her her memory and she's scared and she's like I wouldn't want to trouble you and he's like trouble me let me help you like he's like <laughs> it's not it's not a matter of like you're beautiful and 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 blah 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 and and perfect and gorgeous and I want you it's a matter of like I see something in you and like I feel this way for you and I want yeah. to help you. And it's like, he, okay, um, you know, you you are just you are a decent man. You've been raised by King Haggard and yet have somehow ended up being like a a, a good guy. Yeah. Well, he um I I forget like the exact line at the end of the film. I don't know if you remember it, but when Schmendrick is, you know, uh tells Lear that they need a hero. Um like that that kind of sums up what who Prince Lear is. He's a hero. He wants to help people. Um, yeah. He sees Almothea, she is suffering. He doesn't for a long time he doesn't know what she's suffering from, but I think it's like a very it's a good-natured genuine I want to help that yeah. you know that that's what drives him to her, what, you know, attracts him to her. Yeah, like, he he is, because, yeah, it's when she's uh, facing off against the Red Bull, and he's he's slowly winning at the very end. Like, he's driving her to the sea, and Prince Lear is, says something to the lines of, like, what good is magic if it can't help her? And Schmendrick is like, that's what heroes are for. And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, yeah, no, you're right. That is what heroes are for. And then he jumps in to try and save her and gets, you know, instantly bodied. Like, this man gets killed yeah. immediately. <laughs> yeah. Because he's facing <laughs> off against a giant, like, etheric bull that just fucking yeah. owns him instantly. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, it was so, a like, nice thought, at least. Yeah, he did his best. Um, yeah. But, like, he, he, all of his actions come from a good place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they very easily could have just, like, had him be, like, a skeevy, like, he's only interested in her because of her looks. Um, And I've seen some people, like, they they review that film, they talk about it as that. Like, oh, well, he only likes her because she's a a passive, uh, uh, cowering woman as she forgets her memories. And I think that's a very bad faith interpretation of it. Yeah. He's just... And also, like, it's not like he's... Even at the very end when uh, when Amalthea is like, I don't want to be a unicorn. I have forgotten. I don't want to be a unicorn. Just let me mm-hmm. marry you. Let me stay with you. This is this is what I want. And like, eh, there's something to be said for like, she, she, she should be able to make that decision for herself, but also it's because mm-hmm. she has been magically turned into a, a, a human being and is losing her memories and this, yeah. you know, it's, it's actually a bad thing, but also he, he isn't there saying like, stay with me, stay with me. 
he's the one that's like, no, that's not how this should be. Like, yeah. As soon as as soon as the full circumstances of who she is and why she's there are revealed to him, he immediately realizes that, you know, like this this isn't meant to be. Like how I'm sure like before that he would have loved to have married her. But once yeah. again, the full context of the situation's revealed, he recognizes, oh, like this is not like we can't do this. It would be wrong to do this. Yeah. Not I would not just to, for to, the to have you marry me and stay with me would be to completely remove all all of what you were and what you what you are Mm -hmm. and that's not right yeah and that's something this is i think this is the main thing that i didn't get as as when i saw this as a mid-teen i didn't understand why the unicorn couldn't just stay with Prince Lear. Like, I think I understood that, you know, well, Schmendrick's magic is unpredictable. He can't turn her back because he's just not skilled. But I, as a mid-teen, I remember thinking, like, well, why wouldn't, like, if I was writing the story, I would just have her, you know, remain a human or get turned back into a human. Like, like she seems to love him, right? She says that she loves him. Yeah. Um, And yeah, and I, I didn't, it didn't click that this is it would be again it would be a bad thing Almathea is in love with Lear the unicorn isn't Almathea is like a spell placed over the unicorn it's not her true self it's not even a reflection of her true self the true self is the unicorn who is getting more and more lost in this false identity of Almathea yeah and yeah exactly and it's like it's yeah she's still it's still a part of her amalthea is still and when she comes back to being a unicorn she's like i have experienced this and i know this now and she is a part of me but like that's amalthea is not the unicorn yeah you you yeah i I like the way you put it it's like amalthea is a spell that she is under Mm mm-hmm oh Ugh. and yeah, like so good and it's really evident too it's where it's like she's like i i know that when i become a unicorn i will not love you and it's like mm-hmm. yeah because like it's a different thing and i think like it's not like a human love that she has for for Lyra anymore but she learned she knows now what regret is like she knows she has she out of all of these immortal creatures has known how mortals love and has felt the pain of like not of like losing that basically and we'll we'll know that for the rest of forever yeah it's it's almost like a regret that she as as an immortal creature again it's a regret that she can't be that creature or that person anymore can't be somebody who can love in that way maybe i don't know i think it's part partly that and just like yeah it's like i'm sorry i couldn't be this person for you but that's not who i am yeah oh man and what how what is the line at the end where it's like there's no sorrow that will live in me as long as that joy like the joy of the the unicorns being back in the world except for one 
and I'm thankful for that. Like, I thank you for that too. Where it's like, she, that it is, it is a sorrow that will live in her forever, but she doesn't resent Schmendrick for it. Like yeah. she, she's like, I will have this for the rest of eternity, but I'm, I'm glad for it. Like, thank you. Yeah. And that it's, it's really it's, powerful. Oh. Because, like, there's so many things that, like, each individual person will have something really sad happen to them that may define a big part of their life. And you carry it with you for the rest of your life, but you also hope, at least, that you can continue on with your life and still have your happiness, even though you carry that sorrow. Yeah. Like all all of these things are are things that make up you, and like mm-hmm. what makes like she is different from the rest of the unicorns, but that is is part of her, and like that is yeah. part of her experience now that she has lived, and it's like oh yeah, yeah yeah, man, oh, this <laughs> <laughs> is a like, good movie. I like this movie a lot. Yeah. Man. Oh. I I think I need to I think I need to rewatch this movie more often. Cuz it was it was a yeah. very rewarding experience. I kind of forget sometimes like how good movies can be. <laughs> <laughs> you are a connoisseur of terrible films, but sometimes these are good actually sometimes they're really really good yeah like sometimes (laughs) movies like make you think and not just about how you would completely redo them because they are so garbage (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah oh man trying to think if there's, there's any other scenes to talk about oh there's oh i get like Here's the thing, I could probably talk about each scene. Like, you know how in the in the very beginning of the podcast when we go through each scene and just talk about them? If we did that for yeah. this one, boy howdy, it would probably last for like 4 hours. <laughs> It'd be like a <laughs> like four we could part talk about special. this thing for for ages probably. Yeah. Um it's like it's like me me and Labyrinth. They um Yeah. The, uh, I don't <laughs> <laughs> There's, um, so Tough Pigs, it's a Muppet fan site, and they have many different podcasts, but they they do a podcast called Moving Right Along, where they will take a look at each Muppet movie in, I think it's like a two minute chunk. And oh, wow. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing concept for a podcast, and it is possible only by having people who are so, so dedicated <laughs> and so in love with these films. Because, like, I and I feel like this is, like, The Last Unicorn, that would be a movie that you could probably do two minutes at a time and still have so much to talk about in yeah. each two minutes. Oh, yeah. Like, I haven't even got into a lot of the, like, art stuff or, like, uh, there's there's so much I could I could go through this film. Yeah, yeah, with a fine a fine tooth comb. I yeah. I mean, 
if you ever want to host that podcast, let me know. <laughs> um, in turn, I will I will do that, but it will be for Labyrinth. We'll do oh, Labyrinth god. two minutes at a time. Oh my god. <laughs> I would I would so be down for that. If anybody wants to do a Labyrinth podcast. <laughs> I have so much to say. Oh man. So years and years ago, um, the author of the book and screenplay writer for the movie, uh, Peter S. Beagle did a like a tour where they would show the movie and then he would do like a little Q&A session afterwards or like talk about it tragically um it was run by a scumbag um oh oh yeah no this was a big thing it was it, like it was really really awful for for the author like I can't remember the exact um, situations that that happened, but it was um, it was bad. Like it was a lot of taking advantage of Peter S. Beagle being like of an older man, like a like an elderly person, and being taken advantage mm. of by the people who are running it. Um, so unfortunately, a, not a good experience, not a good thing that happened. I did get to go to it before I knew yeah. all of this was happening. Um, it was right yeah. before. Well, I, I mean, how how so could you know? About nine years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like I had no idea, but it was it was really incredible. Um, I went with a couple with a with a friend and some folks, and it was it was really really cool to see. Yeah. I ha I bought like a giant poster that's signed by him that I still need Aww. to get. It's one of those things where it's like I've been meaning to get it framed, but it's enormous, so I know it's gonna yeah, be oh, like yeah. expensive and unwieldy <laughs> to get anywhere. Yes. <laughs> um, I understand as someone who has multiple uh, movie <laughs> movie theater sized posters, they are a fucking bitch sometimes to frame. Yeah, that's 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 the size of this one too, and it's like I know it's gonna be a pain in the butt, but I do want to get yeah. that done sometime. But oh, it was so cool. Man, that'd be such such a fun experience. What like, once in a lifetime? Yeah. <sighs> now you're just now you're just making me jealous because I'm thinking about <laughs> how one year at the expo, Brian and Wendy Froud were, oh. were invited, but then they had to cancel because I I think Wendy had to have a surgery of some kind. Oh no! And the expo never invited them back. And I'm so oh. fucking mad. I just want to fucking meet him. God damn Dang it. it. Oh. Oh, yeah, I would, I would fucking pay fist over dollars. What's the quote? Hand, oh, over, I would just pay hand over fist. Fist over, yes. Hand fist over, over fist. dollars. Fist, I would, I would, I would punch my fist with dollars <laughs> full of money. Um. <laughs> At somebody and just tell them, take my money. Let me, I just want, I would love to get Brian Froud's autograph or meet them. It's just like, be like, hey, you created something I really, really love. And it's just an honor to just be in your presence. Yeah. As, as weird as I could seem that sounds to say, it's just very true. No, but that's how I felt when I was talking to like, I was like, because I waited in line to like talk to, uh, to get like his his signature and stuff like that and like 
when you get up in front of someone who created something that means so much to you, it's like, it's one thing to remember that it's like, ah, it's just like, they're just a person and they've made things and like, they're just another human being. But also like, how do I express to you what this thing that you created has meant to me? (laughs) Yeah. And I know people have told, told you in other ways and many times how much they adore this thing that you created. But uh, and I and I'm just a random person. I will never. You, you don't know me. I don't. I don't know you. Just you won't remember me in twenty minutes. But like I, I you, what you created has meant so much to me that it's like Aww. oh boy, oh boy, you know. Aww. Oh, I'm so jealous, but I'm very <laughs> happy for you. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's it's... wonderful. I also got a, a necklace. I don't. I think it might have broken, unfortunately, in in the intervening oh, no. years. But it was the it was the skull that drinks the wine, and like <laughs> the necklace was just awesome. the skull, and then like the jaw was on like a separate chain, so it could like wiggle around. Oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't really wear anything. I don't wear jewelry, so I haven't really worn it. And I think last I saw it, it was, like, packed in in one of my, like, boxes. And I think the jaw had come off one of the chains, which was very unfortunate. But, like, it was a cool necklace. (laughs) Maybe we could fix it. If you ever find it, set it aside. Maybe we could fix it. Okay. Yeah. Like, this is a precious thing. You must keep this memento. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... Well, I I think it's safe to say we would both highly recommend this movie. So if you yes. have not seen it, please go give it a watch. Um, if if you I don't know what regions it's available in, but I know probably definitely in Canada and probably also in uh, in the states. Um, but there is the Shout Factory, which yes, is the, yes. the publisher for the DVD. But you can also watch it just for free on their website. Um, in HD, and it looks amazing, and it's just it's just right there. You can just watch it. Yeah. Um, so definitely, you... if you have not had the opportunity to see it, it's it it is available to watch for free. And it and is it is a hundred percent worth it. It is so worth it. It mm-hmm. is incredible. Yes. It is but. not, it's one of those movies where it's like, I can comfortably say like, last year we did Rainbow Bright for my birthday. And it's like, that's a fun film, but it's like, I, you don't have to watch it. This, this is beyond any nostalgia, beyond any personal anything. Yes, yeah. It is a beautiful film. Um, Genuinely. genuinely a beautiful film whether you are seeing it for the first time or whether you've seen it 30 times it is a great film yes so please do do yourself a favor do take take an hour and a half and and watch this film and uh yeah please enjoy because it is it is something special And with that, I think this episode is drawing to a close, so I will run through our usual 
closed scene stuff. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, so if you want to uh, see clips from this movie and other movies we have profiled, you could find us on Twitter at BadPrincessMOV. Uh, if you would like to send us an email or a suggestion on a movie that we could watch, uh, feel free to email us at BadPrincessMovies at gmail.com. And we also have the catalog of Bad Princess Movies, uh, which you could find at badprincessmovies.com. It always feels weird to say that. I think I, I come f- I come from the era where we always had to say www.badprincessmovies.com. HTTP yeah. colon slash slash www. Yeah. Oh. Oh, the good old days. Oh. Of Flash games. Oh. Of Legendary Frog. I loved those. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Homestar Runner. Oh, at least Homestar Runner is still kicking. I don't know if, what Legendary True. Frog is doing. I don't know either. <laughs> oh, memories. That's something, something to Google after the podcast ends. <laughs> oh, thank you, Christy, for, for talking with me and, and putting the, having this one on the podcast uh i'm so happy this was wonderful oh no problem this was uh, i could talk forever about this thing (laughs) i'm glad i'm glad that we we had the perfect excuse to talk about this one i did enjoy it quite a bit excellent well do you have a do you have a good quote from the movie we could end off on no I'll just I'll just start singing uh when the last eagle flies over the last crumbling mountain (laughs) and the last lion roars at the last dusty fountain in the shadow of the forest though she may be old and warm. In the distance, hear the laughter of the last unicorn. unicorn. (laughs) I'm alive.